In this show, I'll talk about the retirement danger zone and what that is. We'll get into sequence of returns risk and why it's important to alter the way that you're investing as you're getting closer to retirement. Welcome to the Excel in Retirement podcast. I am David Treese, and I will be your host. Thank you for tuning in. We are thrilled to have you here with us. My goal as a financial advisor is to distill a couple financial planning ideas that could help you excel in retirement. If you have questions or would like to talk, please give me a call at 864-618-4800, or you can email me directly at david at clientsexcel.com. So this is show number 12, and we are in the middle of a three-part podcast series. Last week, we talked about the risk of not having enough income in retirement, and this week, we're going to be talking about the risk of the market in our current economy, and next week, we'll be talking about the damaging impact of taxes on financial planning. So, let's jump right in. If there is one word that we are hearing a lot as it relates to the news and the financial markets, I would say that would be volatility. We live in some pretty volatile times right now. Whether we're talking about world affairs or COVID-19 or the domestic politics with the election coming up or people's reactions to various social media posts, we're in the middle of some of the most turbulent times many of us can remember. But what does that really mean? Well, financially, it simply means that with so many things happening so fast, the stock market can go up and it can go down a lot, much like a roller coaster. What does this mean for you, though? Well, one question that many of our clients have is, will a drop in the market change our reality or our ability to do our life from day to day or our existence in retirement? Will it change? And that is a great question that needs to be addressed. So let's talk just for a moment about two things. Risk tolerance and what I call the danger zone. A couple, and we'll just call them Tom and Eileen, heard me speak recently. And apparently Eileen had been on Tom about talking to a financial advisor. And truth be told, I'm not so sure that they uh, were going to come in, but I never underestimate the power of a woman. <laughs> At least that's what I've learned in my life. So they came into the office and they met with me. And they had about $700,000 saved for retirement. And they had various types of accounts from 401ks to IRAs. And we sat there and we talked about what their aspirations are in retirement. We talked about their grandkids and some of their dreams they had of spending time uh, with them after Tom retired. So I asked them, given these goals of what you want to do once Tom is retired... How much of your money are you comfortable having at risk in the market? That's a great question, too. Now, folks, Tom is 64 and Eileen is 63, and they were college sweethearts, and they were obviously still very much in love. She would always let him answer first and then correct him. And Tom was hoping to punch out of his employment uh, sometime in the next year, and he was planning to retire from Michelin, and he was the first to answer how much would we risk? He said, oh, I don't know, maybe 10%. Eileen literally put her hand over his mouth and smiled, and uh, she said what he meant to say was $10. That's what we're willing to risk. 
This, folks, is what we call a conservative investor. So I chuckled and asked if they'd be comfortable with me running an analysis of their current portfolio they had put together by their existing advisor. They'd been working with an advisor, and sometimes we uh, run an analysis of their current portfolio or folks' current portfolio just to see uh, in the event of a big market correction or downturn, what would happen to their portfolio. Now, folks, here's why I asked. Some of you here listening already know this well, but anyone knows uh, that's been following the financial markets that on March 9th of 2019, so about a year and a half ago, actually marked the anniversary of a 10-year bull market in the economy or the stock market. It was the longest bull run in the stock market in history. Take a look uh, with me for a second at what a bull market means. What does that what is that defined as? We all know a bull market is when the market is on the rise, and a bear market is when things are on the decline, right? And so many of many of you know that a correction is a drop of just 10% or more in the market, but just 10% is the where it starts. And so that's uh that's that's what that's what a that's what a correction is. We all are very aware of what's going on right now with the COVID-19 lockdown and what's what it's doing to our economy and the unemployment and how GDP dropped by 30% in the first quarter of 2020. This on par for Great Depression era levels. On March 11th of 2020, this year, just a few months ago, the Dow uh, went down about 20.3% from its February 12th height. And so that launched a bear market, and that was the official end of the bull market. It went on for about 11 years and started in March of 2009. Understand, though, that rises, falls, and corrections are absolutely cyclical, meaning they're not predictable down to the date on which they're going to occur, or we'd be all rich. We would be billionaires if we could uh, accurately predict that. But the cycle of them happening is absolutely predictable. In fact, if we go almost back 100 years to 1926 and we look at what's happened, you would see a significant rise is always followed by a correction and periods of decline. Some of you may remember the years from 1995 to 2001. Anyone remember what those years were called or what was going on back then rather? Those were called the dot-com years. The internet was exploding. All sorts of startup tech companies and software companies were erupting, and the market was on a real tear. And then the predictable correction, followed by 2.1 years of bear market activity. This cycle itself is 100% predictable. In fact, we even know that the average market run-up or bull market lasts about four and a half years, typically, and the average market decline, or bear market as we defined earlier, is about 1.4 years on average. So obviously this last bull run was a little different, but we had been calling for a correction at our firm for quite a while and had prepared our clients for that. And so our clients were positioned in a very good way to withstand this correction that we've seen uh, this year. So is, this is why I was so interested, though, in how much Tom and Eileen would be comfortable having at risk in the market. Because now we've been in a bull market or the market is on a rise again. And uh, But ultimately, I don't think we're out of the bear market when we back up and look at things from a macro perspective. Uh, this will still be viewed, perhaps, as a bear market. Uh, time will tell. I never want one of our clients sitting in retirement, though, being overexposed to losses. 
So Tom and, I, Tom and Eileen, they had both agreed that it would make sense to take a look at their current exposure to risk. So our team ran that analysis for them, absolutely free of charge. If we don't do anything else for you, we'd be happy to run this for you as well. But when they came in the next week after we had ran this and prepared for the next meeting, we sat down together again and I shared some great news with them. Their portfolio over the last 10 years had generally performed pretty darn well. Of course, candidly, in the decade uh, where the S&P itself had been an annualizing, uh, had an annualized return of 10.75%. So in the decade we were talking about, the S&P had earned about 10.75% annualized. Hopefully, everyone's portfolio performed pretty well. It didn't take a lot of genius to, to do well in the market during this period, in other words. That said, I also had to share some other news with them, though. I had to let Tom and Eileen know that if the market dropped again like it did in 2008, they would stand to lose nearly 40% of their retirement savings because of how their assets, their retirement assets, were currently allocated and exposed to various risks. That means instead of going from $700,000 down to $630,000, like Tom said he would have been comfortable with with a 10% drop, they would have plummeted from $700,000 down to $420,000. Now that's about a $280,000 drop, folks. And in their case, it was more than twice what they were planning or earning uh, combined as an annual couple on an annual basis. It was more than twice what they were earning as a couple there. So, and why? Because as conservative investors, their risk tolerance was not all matched up with their actual portfolio. So their portfolio was invested one way, but their risk tolerance said that they should be invested another way. And can I be completely candid with you here when I say this? We see this all the time. One of the services we offer every client who comes into our office for a visit or we meet together via Zoom uh, with a webinar is the same analysis we run for their, that, that we ran for Tom and Eileen in their current portfolio. I can't tell you how many clients have been blown away by how much more risk they are taking than they thought. So folks are typically taking on way more risk than they thought. And let me show you another variable that many folks overlook when they're planning for retirement. Let's take a look at two fictitious brothers. Let's call them Steve and Bill. Steve worked for a consulting business for most of his life, and his brother Bill was a small business owner. So Steve and Bill. Steve was a consulting uh, in business for most of his life, and Bill had a small business. And let's say at retirement, both of them had the exact same amount in their IRA they planned to tap into uh, for retirement income. So they had $500,000. Steve and Bill both had $500,000. And they both planned to use $30,000 of that IRA each year for income to cover their living expenses, to supplement Social Security and so forth. The only difference between them, though, here's the contrast, is when they decided to retire. Steve decided to give up consulting in the year 1990, and Bill decided to step away 10 years later in the year 2000. So, 
they had the exact same amount in their IRA because they had the same exact financial goals for their IRAs. This is hypothetical. Let's look at what happened next in this example. If you were to look at their final IRA account balances, you would see that Steve, who retired in 1990, had $1.2 million in his IRA after 10 years of taking $30,000 in income. So Steve retires in 1990. And after 10 years of taking $30,000 out per year, he still has $1.2 million in his IRA. While his brother Bill, who retired in the year 2000, he has $156,000 left. So how in the world can that be? The difference in the results is something that's called sequence of returns risk. And in retirement, it can be devastating. If you look at the difference in the order of sequence of returns risk between the two brothers, you would see that Steve, who retired in 1990, his first decade in retirement was a great one for the market. You remember the dot-com uh, bubble was being blown up and the market was doing really well. Bill, he, remember, he retired in 2000, on the other hand, and his sequence was marked by big downward turns in the market for a decade. And while they both started off with the exact same amount, after 10 years, Bill is left with 13% of his brother's account balance. Each of you listening here has a different set of circumstances, but this is simple. But this simple hypothetical example highlights the importance of two things. First, making sure you're not overexposed to the market risk too late in life. And second, making sure, as I said before, that you have a guaranteed plan for a lifetime income so you're never in a position of bill. You don't want to be in Bill's position. Realizing you might have a lot of life left, but not so much of an account balance. And so you don't want to run out of money before we run out of life, in other words. So now I know some of you may be thinking, yeah, David, but if I take my money out of the market, I'll, I'll be missing out on those big gains in the market, you know? And, another, and others of you here might be worried that you're behind and you feel like you need to take on a lot of risk to catch up. And I get that. I talk to people like that frequently. We even get asked all the time, is there a way to link our money to some of the gains in the market and what it's making to basically mirror some of the rise without actually putting our money at risk? That's a fair question, right? What if there was a way to grow your money if the market goes up, but not lose your money if the market goes down? Did you know that that actually exists? There's something out there that actually does that. When the market goes up, you earn a return, but when the market goes down, you don't lose anything. There are actually opportunities like this available that we can talk about. But just like anything else, not every opportunity is right for every person. That's why it's so important to have a custom-tailored plan and not just a portfolio. So let's take, for example, mutual funds. Many of you listening here are most likely invested in mutual funds, which are essentially a collection of stocks, right? It's like a big swimming pool of stocks that you have in a fund. And just to make the math super simple, let's say we start with $100,000 in our mutual fund. In the next year, the fund we're invested in goes down 40%. So how much do we have? We have $60,000, right? The following year, the fund goes up 50%. So we've got $60,000 and we have a 50% return. How much money do we have? $30,000, right? So now we're back to $90,000. 
Now, people on Wall Street will tell you that the average rate of return for those two years is 5% because they simply average the two changes. But does it look like our money is up? No. You're down $10,000, right? You had $100,000, and then you took $40,000 away, but then you added $30,000, so you're at $90,000. But you averaged a 5% return. So let's back up. We'll start again with $100,000, and the next year our fund goes down 10%, so we have $90,000, and the next year it goes up 20%. So we gain $18,000 for a total of one hundred eight. so we have $108,000. Once again, Wall Street will tell you the average rate of return is up 5%, and this time your money is actually up, actually more than 5%. See, that's what I like to call Wall Street math. What's the real difference between these two funds we just illustrated? It's really something we call volatility. In other words, it's how big the swings are. And once we're in retirement, volatility is not your friend. See, in most areas of our financial life, we get a second chance. Let's say you're in your 40s and you invest a little bit in some stock and it doesn't go well, it doesn't perform well. Not the end of the world, right? You move on. You cut your losses and move on. I used to like to go fishing a lot when I was a kid. I'd like to go now. And uh, and sometimes you would get your line tangled up on the bottom of the lake and you would just have to cut your uh, fancy lure that might be a couple bucks off and just cut your losses. And so sometimes when things aren't going well, we could cut our losses in a fund if we're in our 40s. And let's say you're down, uh, so, so let's say you're down in your early 50s and you're, are, excuse me, let's say, uh, you have a down year in your early 50s inside your 401k. What happens? It's a long game, so hopefully next year will be better. But folks, how many times do most people retire? They retire one time, typically. And ladies and gentlemen, we don't get a do-over on that, which is why it's all the more critical to have a plan and not just a drawer full of investments and products. It's also why it's so important for that plan to adjust over time. And I see folks come in and they have a product they bought from one person. They have another one they have from an old employer. Then they have another one that was offered at another employer. And then they bought a life insurance policy over here. And it's all just parts to a bike. It's like having a bike that's not put together. And we can't ride the bike because our parts aren't put together. You want to have a cohesive, holistic plan putting all of these parts together to make your bike able to be ridden, right? We can't just have these things. We can just have them, but it's not you're, you're not getting the full benefit of these things that you purchased if they're not working in unison. You had 35 or 40 years to bounce back from losses. It was no big deal. But as you get closer, our approach needs to change about the way that we are investing. That's why we call the last 10 years before you plan to retire the retirement danger zone. If you're within 10 years of retiring and you're still investing the same way you were when you were younger, you might be at risk in the stock market to seeing it significantly affect your retirement options. There's simply far more at stake that close to retirement, and it's important that each of you here be using different strategies uh, when we're that close to retirement. So that's our show for today, folks. I hope you found it informative and thought-provoking. If you have any questions, you can call me at 864-618-4800, or you can email me at david at clientsexcel.com. 
We'll see you next week. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC. AE Wealth Management and Clients Excel are not affiliated companies. Investing involves risk, including potential loss of principal. Any reference to protection, safety, or lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investments. Insurance guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims-paying abilities of the insuring carrier. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only. It's not intended to be used as the sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet particular needs of an individual situation. Clients Excel is not permitted to offer, and no statement made during this show shall constitute tax or legal advice. Our firm is not affiliated with or endorsed by the U.S. government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions contained herein provided by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed by Clients Excel. The use of logos and or trademarks of podcast hosting sites are the property of their respective owners and are not an endorsement by those owners of our firm or our program.